Welcome to the Africa Rights Talk podcast, a Center for Human Rights podcast series, hosted by Victoria Amechi. Welcome to the Africa Rights uh, Talk, a podcast series done by the Center for Human Rights at the University of Pretoria. Um, so uh, today we are beginning a series of conversations with um, uh, between the uh, Expression, Information and Digital Rights Unit of the Center for Human Rights and uh, with uh, stakeholders in the sphere of uh, access to information around Africa. This series will be handled by myself, Smith uh, Nasiri Edmebong, together with my colleagues, Ms. Idirashi Amanda Chikomba and Advocate Crispin Bosire. Today we um, on the human rights uh, on the Africa rights talk. We are having a conversation um, today with um, Mrs. Viola Ochola. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Yes, Ms. Yes, Viola Ochola. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> um, no she's with uh-huh. the, uh, the Commission on um, Administrative Justice, with the Office of the Ombudsman in Kenya. So, uh, please, Ms. Viola, please can you introduce yourself to us? Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much for the invite. Uh, My name is Viola Ochola. I'm the Director in Charge of Access to Information at the Commission on Administrative Justice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we're happy to have you have you here today. We are just going to delve right into it um, to also uh, maximize our time. So, of course, like uh, the model, the AU model on access to information for Africa is uh, celebrating its 10 years of existence this year. Can you please give us an overview of the situation of access to information in Kenya in light of the AU model law? All right. Um, thank you. Thank you very much for that question. Um, uh, perhaps I'll start with uh, just indicating what we do as a commission, our mandate as a commission. Um, uh, the Commission on Administrative Justice has, has a dual mandate. Number one, it uh, tackles maladministration in the public sector. And that means essentially dealing with all forms of maladministration, like issues like delay in action and so on. The second mandate that the commission has is to oversee and uh, oversight and enforce access to information. And this uh, spreads both in the public sector and goes into relevant private entities. So um, in terms of the AU model law and uh, how it has even been uh, adopted, let's say, in Kenya, our law actually borrowed heavily from uh, the model law because if you look at um, the aspect of even private bodies being uh, drawn into the sphere of the act, that was uh, a direct, um, it was directly borrowed from the law such that um, all private bodies that either utilize public funds or perform a public function also fall within the sphere of the act. Um, The second thing is that it gives all the processes that are supposed to be undertaken by all public institutions or now the relevant private entities. The process outlined in the model law, in the AU model law, is actually what has been adopted also, including even the timelines. For example, the aspect of providing information within 21 days if it's requested for a public entity and 48 hours if it deals with issues of life and liberty. It also 
it, it, it requires a formation access officers to reduce um, all requests in writing, uh, all oral requests to writing, and also requires that all um, entities designate a specific person to handle these matters of access to information. So to that extent, there's a lot of um, similarity. It even goes beyond the aspect of uh, just the request for information and talks about the protection of um, people who give information in the public interest. This is also provided for in the model law. So our act is almost a replica of the model law as it is. And um, I believe this is the case because the people who pushed for the enactment of the act were in the um in the access to information sphere there were the people who were fighting for you know opening up of government so they were very well aware of the model law and some of them were even uh in the process of the drafting of the model law so this is why we even have one of the best access to information laws um the world over i think the last time I think we were at number 20 across the world, which is a very good thing. Now, the question is uh, implementation of the act. That is now where we as a commission are trying to ensure that the act is implemented across public entities and even into the relevant private entities. Um, I don't know whether that is sufficient or uh, you need me to add more. Yes, that is, um, that is uh, you have covered... Um, almost the first three questions <laughs> on our list, and and that is that is wonderful. Um, um, I mean, also together with 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 the model law, the EU, the AU, sorry, um, adopted the 2019 Declaration on the Principles of Freedom of Expression and Access to Information in Africa, as well as the the guidance on access to information and election in Africa. Uh, uh, to your assessment, do you do you think that the, the the Kenyan law as well as as your institution is is um, implementing this um, in Kenya to incorporate of course international standards uh, as well as the standard in Africa? Uh, yes, we are doing that. We in our law actually has also implemented because there's a lot of similarities in the declaration and also the model law, the EU model law itself. So even issues around proactive disclosure, it's clearly um, provided for. Section 5 of our act clearly outlines what each public institution is supposed to proactively disclose. For example, the policies of the organization, the mandate of the institution. It even goes further and it talks about contracts that the institution has entered into and uh, speaks about the scope being provided, the name of the contractors, the length of the time, basically to help the citizens in, um, in, in checking the government in terms of how it's implementing its policies. This, our Access to Information Act has even expanded that and said that all um, salaries of uh, public officials need to be even put up. That is something that we are still struggling with as a commission in terms of implementation, but we are happy that a number of institutions have since um, implemented that. Um, The other aspect I would speak about is the aspect of keeping uh, records in a manner that has integrity and in a manner that facilitates access to information. The principles clearly talk about this and uh, speak about aspects of um, digitization. 
our law actually in section 17 also has similar similarities with that because it requires us to also keep information that has integrity and that facilitates access to information and even went beyond that and gave a deadline for all public entities to computerize their records by well three years after the enactment of the access to information Act, and this lapsed in 2019 so that is one of also another challenge that we are facing because not all entities have computerized their records they keep talking about issues of um of resource constraints the expertise they're not aware of what they're supposed to do but it is an obligation under the law so for me this in as much as the principles may have been said to give uh, probably a higher standard, I am happy that even as a commission, as the people who are oversighting this law, it gives us uh, an aspirational place to reach. Because when we talk to the public entities, talk to the public officials, we tell them that, yes, you may indicate now that you do not have resources, but you have to meet these standards because this is a global standard for access to information in terms of records management. So it, there are many other aspects that are similar, like the appeals mechanism is also provided for the limitations, are also provided for they are almost a copy-paste situation. They are almost similar and uh, maybe save for a few difference in wording, but the content is the same. So I think in terms of the declaration, we, we are doing very well. And implementation, perhaps I'll speak on it a lot later when maybe we get to the aspect of implementation of the same. Right now, I'll speak mainly on the on just the similarities of the of the laws with respect to the guidelines on access to information and election in Africa. We don't have a specific um like in the law, there is nothing specific to election. All the Access to Information Act in Kenya talks about is the information held by public entities. And when it comes to election, we are talking about entities like uh, the election management bodies, which in our case is the IEBC, um, uh, the regulatory bodies, the media, uh, the law enforcement agencies. All these are encompassed within the public entities and they're required even within the electoral period to give out this information as and when it's requested. And it's even encouraged that this information is proactively disclosed such that they don't, they don't have the administrative headache of people walking in and out of the office every day to request for that kind of information. With respect to this, like I said, we don't have something specific in the act, but as a commission, we developed a guide uh, last year in 2022 just before the elections to guide um, public institutions on how to access information and on the obligations during the electoral period and also to guide citizens on how to access information specific to elections. So we have the guide is called the Administrative Justice and Access to Information Guide during the electoral period. 2022. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that very, very expansive um, 
knowledge on the commission and um, what the commission is doing doing in Kenya. I just want to follow up on that by just asking you to what are some of the key key challenges you think the commission is facing in terms of its implementation of of um, the Kenyan law and as well as um, especially on the issue of election that you just talked about. What what are the key challenges you think? One of the key challenges, obviously, is the culture of secrecy. And this is not only limited to the election period. This is across board. And unfortunately, sometimes it may get worse during the election period. The aspect of we we have come from a place where information was considered something to be hidden, something to be shared on a need to know basis in that you needed to give a reason why you were requiring that information. So this has been a challenge, but uh, we have tried to mitigate it by by training uh, public officers, uh, sometimes repeatedly, for them to first of all remove that culture of uh, secrecy and for them to understand that the information they hold is on behalf of citizens, it's not on their own behalf. In the electoral period, uh, we had a number of engagement, for example, with uh, the electoral management body in Kenya, where we informed them that they needed to inform citizens of the processes because there was the pre-election time, the time during the election and post-election period. And we explained to them that the provision of such information would even sometimes would mean, um, would mean a matter of life and death. Because if you don't give information, the citizens will, uh, would uh, distrust even the results of the election. And after that, that is how we have cases of post-election violence. Because there's a lot of fake news, fake information being paraded around because of lack of official, factual and verifiable information. So we engaged most of these uh, bodies, um, like, uh, of course, IABC, the law enforcement agencies, we had an engagement with them. We also had an engagement with the media in terms of their reporting so that they are the only report what is the official status. Because we've seen in the past at some point, it appeared like some of the media houses fueled some of this uh, misinformation because they would for example, do their own tallying. And uh, then at the end of the day, there's a little bit of um, a difference in the results. And this now fuels a lot of the discontent uh, that arises after the, the elections or after the final results are declared. So we engaged a lot of that to help them with this culture of secrecy during the, the election period. The second challenge we've had and this also goes across board is poor records management this is even in the public the general public sphere in uh, public service in kenya records management is still a challenge uh, because most of the offices are still in the analog stage of um, filing where uh, documents are filed in a paper file and we all know if uh, a fire for example would uh, occur that would mean that all the information would be burnt and uh, we encourage we are trying to support um, public institutions in terms of records management by developing standards for digitization we uh, i probably speak with about this at this moment uh, the commission is in partnership with the um, Kenya National Archives and Documentation Service, the Ministry of ICT and the ICT Authority 
to develop the standards for digitization because the main aim is for them to digitize uh, all the 5 billion records that we have in the public service. So we sit at the steering committee and uh, the whole public service uh, have been required to appoint at least two people to sit in the technical committee of that. So the end product of this task force would be to come up with standards of uh, digitization so that the digitization process in the public sector can be standardized and can be fast-tracked because then now funds can also be, can follow now the, the, the standards that are developed for digitization. So, but before then, we are also working with the Kenya National Archives on its own so that even before the standards are developed and digitization happens, we are going around and uh, explaining to the public entities and sensitizing them on how to properly uh, manage their records. And in a way that if someone came to request for information, for example, from years back, that information can be able to access, to be accessed. The other challenge we have, we faced during election time is the... Um, poor visibility of uh, the commission and uh, by this i mean there is um, there are uh, not many citizens are aware of their right to access information um under the under the constitution access to information is a citizen driven right if the citizens do not hold the government to account or don't request for this information then it becomes difficult for the government to implement because the world over to the governments are very easy they they would prefer to sit back and not provide this information so the lack of um, knowledge of this right and generally, the poor visibility that the commission has had in terms of how people know about what the commission does has also uh, worked to the, has also posed a challenge for us because then um, the, the demand th that uh, is supposed to come to, to us, people who are supposed to report to the commission on violations of access to information do not come forth or at least they are not as many as we think they should be because we see all these um, aspects of uh, hiding or opacity of information. So I think that is a, a very big challenge. And obviously uh, the aspects of um, sector right now, because there's a lot that the commission needs to do. This is a new law. Uh, there are a lot of foundational documents that need to be developed uh, so that the public sector can, can, can come on board and... Um, and help uh, implement the law that has not been done. So I think I will stop there. Maybe you can ask another question. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, and also wonderful knowledge on, on, I mean, it just shows how much the commission is doing and impacting the, the um, issue of access to information in Kenya. And at this point, I'll, I'll introduce my colleague, Ms. Idirashi Amanda Chikomba to take the next uh, round of questions. Thank you. Thank you so much, Smith. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Ms. Fiola. Thank you so much for gracing us uh, on this Spotlight Initiative. Uh, and thank you very much for the expansive knowledge that you have shared with us on this uh, webinar. You mentioned uh, poor records management in Kenya, um, as most offices are still paper-based. So I just wanted to find out from you uh, if you could highlight any measures that you as CAJ have adopted or are adopting to address the challenges that you have identified. 
Thank you. Um, but I think some of them I may have spoken to earlier in terms of the, for example, the culture of secrecy. We have done a lot of training of public officers. Currently, I think we have done around over 25,000 public officers have trained on, uh, have been trained by the commission, both, uh, on our mandate and, um, the Commission on Administrative Justice Act and our, um, and, and our mandate on access proactively. So train them on the obligations on records management. So this cuts across and deals with the challenge also of records management. How dealing with this culture of secrecy? Because the citizens have been used to a government that is so secretive. Most of them in that they don't have that right. But we since 2010, when this new constitution as citizens to request this information from the and uh, the public officers. So we also empower the citizenry to be able to question government and to be able to use this information to advance even their other rights. So as a commission, we have had enough experience. We do this across um, several media. We do it on TV. We go out to the markets, talk to the people. We do uh, advertisements, the newspapers telling them about um, our mandate. So we, we engage um, even at the lowest level. We partner with um, civil society organizations so that they, when we leave the champions as oh, access to information champions at the, at the ground level. In terms of digitization, I've spoken about what we have done as a commission. We have engaged in Kenya National Archives to support us in training the public entities on how to manage their records, keep their records in a manner that facilitates access and in a way that have integrity and are clear so that when someone comes to request for information, they can then get that information. Um, in terms of uh, resources, uh, I had spoken about uh, the lack of resources as a challenge. One, uh, the resources, there's a financial resource as a challenge, then there's obviously the human resource. As a commission, we, have, uh, we are based at the headquarters, which is in Nairobi, and we have six other branch offices. Um, and the access to information department has um, does not have that many staff to handle all the requests coming in uh, for review from members of the public. So we have um, we we have the challenge of getting that support, but we have uh, engaged um, some of these donor organizations, some of whom have given us some um, technical support support, but people with the necessary technical skills to sit in for a, a period of time so that they can support us. Because access to information, again, being an it means that there is still um, a gap in the skill set in terms of within the country. So we get that kind of support from these institutions. In terms of the financial resources, the challenge of lack of financial resources, what we have done is that we have partnered with very many also organizations, donor organizations, who have supported many of our activities. And we have managed to implement um, quite a number of um, our uh, programs under the Access to Information Act, despite the austerity measures that have been given by the government. There is one last challenge that I had not spoken about, and that is the insufficient legal framework that we have as uh, under the Access to Information and our access to information. We have currently the Access to Information Act, but you know that you require regulations to be able to operationalize the act. 
Currently, um, the general regulations have not been passed. We have regulations re uh, relating to fees. Those ones have not been passed yet. We also have regulations that are supposed to be developed relating to enforcement of our decisions and access to information which have not been passed. So they, we have gaps in terms of implementation because you know the Access to Information Act cannot give all the details in terms of what is required to implement the law. It's only the regulations that normally operationalize the law. So there is a little bit of um, a gap in that area. And also um, in terms of the other laws, there are several other laws that we have now, now that we are implementing this Access to Information Act, we have um, been uh, faced with uh, several situations where other laws are conflicting with the Access to Information Act. So we need uh, also a complete review of the whole landscape of the laws in the country so that we can now amend the, the aspects of those laws that are conflicting to access access to information. So um, I think that is what I would um, I, I would speak about in terms of um, the challenges and what we have done to mitigate them. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I see you already preempted uh, what would have been my next next question on what advocacy strategies uh, CAJ has employed in promoting the right of access to information. So I will skip that one and I'll proceed to my next question. Uh, earlier on, you touched on uh, the 2022 Guide to Access to Information uh, that you came up with before elections. So my next question would be, looking specifically at elections, what role does the CAJ play in promoting proactive information disclosure practices by the various relevant stakeholders during elections in Kenya? Um, as the institution that oversights, um, as the institution that oversights and enforces access to information law, obviously we have a key role to play. And as I'd indicated earlier, we what we do during the election period is that we partner with the relevant um, stakeholders during the election period so that we can be able to sensitize them on what is required of them in terms of proactive disclosure and reactive disclosure. For example, last year uh, in 2022, during the election period, we partnered with uh, an institution called um, Article 19 Eastern Africa. We conducted uh, multi-stakeholder sensitization on the requirement of access to information during the election period. And we did not restrict ourselves only to the national laws. We even widened the net and we um, sensitized them both under the regional and the national framework. So we targeted um, the media, election management bodies, law enforcement agencies, regulatory bodies. And we actually got quite a good feedback uh, regarding this. Uh, because um, they were the, the public or the stakeholders were giving us now their feedback in terms of their experience during the previous electoral periods and uh, why the information that they were giving now was uh, acting to their advantage because they saw that there was less um, animosity towards them. And this was actually a direct response from the from the. Uh, from the law enforcement agencies because they say they realize when they give more information, people tend to um, 
believe them and uh, keep the peace as opposed to following some of the politicians who may be considered um insightful to the to to the to the citizens so it was quite an engaging um we we had around six of this engagement to these stakeholders and we got quite uh, good feedback from them so we also engaged um political parties differently because we realized that sometimes the issue may be political parties some of the complaints we had received was that there was um lack of transparency in terms of nominations and um, of of the the people and that was also something that was infringing on some of their other rights so we engaged them and even uh, uh partnered with uh, an um, Kenya Vision 2030 institution and developed even a political manifesto a model political manifesto for political parties because then we we put in what we considered are the key areas that the incoming administration should be able to to put as priority and obviously aspects of open governance came out very very clearly and very strongly so um our role was very clear we sensitized them we issued the guide like i said um, the administrative justice and access information guide during the electioneering period and which we also used to sensitize also the media uh, in partnership with now the media council of kenya so as you can see we did quite a little bit of work in, in terms of just um just um sensitizing the people and also at this end we were also um reviewing decisions by these public entities to deny information to to citizens at that time thank you so looking at the 2022 elections how did the kenyan stakeholders fare in terms of providing credible and relevant election related information to the electorate if maybe you can just answer me briefly on that one Oh, briefly all right thank you um actually uh, unfortunately we did not do um a survey across the board because your question seems to i mean maybe point at uh, giving uh, feedback in terms of a survey but what we what i can say is that um there were a few bodies that uh, were not giving the relevant information and this one we could tell from the number of um requests for review that we received as a commission uh, an example of the high number of requests we we received was um, from the uh, candidates who lost the election because they were saying that they were not given the final form that has the final results so this one was a challenge because we realized that perhaps the of returning officers or the election management body officials were not giving this information so we also engaged them directly and informed them of that so i think that is what i will uh, say on on that question uh, my last question will be in relation to the uh, achpr 2019 declaration that uh, states that everyone shall have the right to exercise freedom of expression and access to information without distinction of any kind uh, which also mandates states to take specific measures to address the needs of marginalized groups what special initiatives on access to information has the caj undertaken to ensure inclusivity of vulnerable and marginalized groups uh, in kenya thank you um when we engage the public entities we 
clearly indicate to them that um, they have to provide this information taking into account these special interest groups. For example, um, if they are giving information on their website, they need to have this uh, group uh, of people in mind. And we've sensitized the public entities on that issue. Um, uh, secondly, we've held uh, specific engagements um, with the, the special interest groups, um, both at the national and at the county level, where we um, bring them together and uh, sensitize them on their rights and use that time to even pick any complaints that they may have in relation to our mandate. Um, uh, this one we do with uh, in partnership with the National Council of Persons with Disabilities and um, we we do that in partnership with the National Council on Persons with Disability, and uh, we we are still engaging even as we speak, so that we can have um, a, a more robust and uh, a, a clear policy on uh, how they can be how they can be engaged. So, secondly, in our in the development of all our guidelines, regulations, and policies under the access to information, we have always engaged the National Council on Persons with Disability so that we can uh, clearly get their perspective of the issues that uh, that affect them and and how they can uh, be supported by the by the commission. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Uh, in this particular juncture, I would like to hand over to my colleague, Crispin Bosire, to take you through the rest of the questions. Uh, thank you so much. Again, uh, it's a great pleasure to have you on board on the podcast. We'd like to now circle back to some of the challenges that you have already discussed. I found that information accessibility is an essential to the right to health. During the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, uh, one of the things uh, that the Committee on Economic and Social and Cultural Rights did was affirm that information accessibility is an essential element to the right to health. Now, looking at this position, what measures did the Commission on Administrative Justice take to ensure that the, there was credible information and the public could easily access that kind of information during the pandemic. Thank you. Thank you for that question. Um, once CAJ um, engaged directly the Ministry of Health, so CAJ engaged the Ministry of Health directly in terms of provision of information and um, informed the Ministry of the need to uh, give this information and in a manner that, um, number one, protects the privacy of the people who are infected, and number two, uh, also protects the, the right to health of the rest of the citizens. Because you remember at the beginning, there was a lot of um, stigma related to related to um, COVID-19, at least in Kenya. There was quite a bit of that. So we engaged the Ministry of Health. We also directly engaged some of the COVID um, patients who had been uh, quarantined uh, by government when uh, they jetted into the country. And some of them having tested positive also quarantined in uh, some facilities. And uh, they were also complaining to us that um, the government was forcing them to pay a certain amount of money so that they can, uh, before being released. And some of them, because they didn't have that kind of money, they were also 
now they were getting reinfected within the quarantine space because they were still mixed up with the people who are who are infected so we engage the ministry of health globally in terms of these two aspects so that they to ensure that the information that was coming out was something that was information that was beneficial to both the citizens who are not infected but also the the covid uh, patients uh beyond that uh the commission issued a circular uh to the public uh, entities both at the national and uh, and uh, required them to report on the amounts that were received um in form of grants to handle uh, covid-19 also how the amounts or the funds were were spent and if there were any contracts that were given to certain uh, contractors during that period for example to supply um the the material like the the masks they would then indicate who, who had been given the contract and to supply what so we required this information to not to be published proactively on their website thank you uh, thank you so much and now then moving into what you mentioned earlier use of digital technologies and the tools that the commission is using one of the challenges of our age is that they the use of digital platforms to engage in this information and now there is now the age of information disorder what initiatives is the commission taking in curbing misinformation might be addressing disinformation and other forms of false information that undermine the credibility of information that is in the public interest thank you um the regulation of uh, information that goes out um is uh, really not within the purview of the commission however what we do to encourage because there's a kenya information and communications act and this other act of laws that deal with that and if you give out wrong information or uh, or uh, engage in misinformation disinformation um there is uh, there are offenses that are provided it's some of them are offenses that are provided under the penal code and we've seen a number of people being uh, prosecuted prosecuted for that but what we do as a commission is that when we engage with the public entities because we know these are the institutions that are mostly affected public entities and public officers when we engage with them we uh, indicate to them the need to uh uh to provide uh official position on any issue that may be uh, may be relevant to the public or that may affect the public because if you give the official position even if if it's comes from a meeting that is private then it is very difficult for the mis- people who spew this misinformation disinformation to hold sway over what you're given as an official position what has encouraged this in the past from our assessment has been the lack of the official um status or official information either through you know communiques or uh, the official social media handles etc from the relevant institution or from the relevant public offices so we encourage that and we are happy even um, 
like the president currently issues a communique uh, a cabinet communique every time he has a meeting with the with the cabinet that also demonstrates um um an aspect of open governance so that people can actually be able to see what is officially happening within the cabinet meeting okay uh we'd also like you to comment on collaborations generally because you mentioned earlier that you've been able to collaborate nationally with other institutions but at an african level or perhaps at a global stage what is the nature and extent of the collaboration that the commission is uh, seeking actively and how have you seen that collaboration assist the commission in del- delivering the mandate of uh, access to information in Kenya question um uh, at the african level we are members of uh, the african network of information commissioners this is a network that brings together all um uh, institutions that oversight and enforce uh, access to information uh within africa and uh, the whole point of the african network anic as we call it of information commissions is to provide a a forum for peer exchange and sharing of information it also gives us a forum for dialogue so that we can touch base on issues that affect um information commissions at at um at a global or at an african level we also um uh, share we also network and uh, gain knowledge from each other and also we've had support from uh, anic itself uh, for example in may um anic uh, the exco level executive committee level will be coming to kenya and it will be training um a number of uh, a number of uh, the members on uh, aspects of access to information so it has been uh, with it has come with its benefit at a global level uh, we are members of icic that is the international conference of information commissions where um it's um a body that um brings together all information commissions worldwide and uh, this we sit at the steering committee at the exco we sit at the exco level and uh, we are also members of the working group on vulnerable groups at the icic level the benefits have all also been quite immense because they provided good networking plat- networking platforms for us they've been uh, we have uh, provided openings for us to be trained by some members of the information commissions because most of these countries uh, got their laws um a lot earlier than uh, Kenya did so they they they've been there and they know the pitfalls and they they know where to, we need support so we have um, had engagements where some of the members of the uh, ICIC have actually trained us and we have even one more um training uh, planned for later this year uh finally I'll speak about open government partnership uh as you may know open government partnership is um is a uh, is a group where is um is an initiative sorry is an initiative where um government reformers and civil society reformers come together and develop action plans uh for to improve transparency in government 
So Kenya is a member of OGP um, globally, and at uh, that level, we sit at the steering committee level. At the, the Kenya level of OGP, because then it fits into the international uh, and the global open government partnership, it um, it's, we are members of the steering committee and uh, we are uh, both the steering and the technical committee. We currently, in the current national action plan four, which is the current one, we have a commitment specifically on access to information. And uh, the Commission on Administrative Justice is the lead institution on access to information commitment. The OGP fraternity has truly helped uh, the Commission in achieving some of the milestones that were set in that national action plan because all the institutions that are within the OGP space come together to pool funds, to organize for technical support, to enable us as a Commission meet our mandate as um and access to information. So it's, these partnerships have come with a lot, a lot of benefits to the commission. Uh, thank you. I think I'll just speak on those three. Yes, uh, we are now coming to the end of the podcast. We'd just like to see how you relate with the Office of the Data Protection Commissioner, which which is matched with the responsibility to ensure that there is protection of personal information in Kenya. The, the office is now actively enforcing its mandate. How are you interacting with the office and how has the establishment of the office then impacted on the work that the commission does on access to information? Um, we work quite well with the info with the Office of the Data Protection Commissioner. Um, uh, number one, because as you're aware, one of the limitations of the Access to Information Act is uh, where the data we cannot now uh, require that someone gives out that data. Now, with the establishment of the Office of the Data Commissioner, that has been um, quite timely because then we refer some of these um, requests directly to the Office of the Data Commissioner, because then it, it is within her sphere because she deals in how this private data is processed. And even for the, uh, the institutions that process personal data, they have a whole process of how they... Um, a whole list of requirements for the for the institutions under 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 their data under the data protection act and also the the second thing is that we have also um been uh, even more cautious in terms of uh, requiring um publication of this information or access to this information because where it's clearly uh, indicated that some information is personal or you can clearly see the information is personal, we have uh, required that the same be redacted and we'll give this information to the Data Protection Commission. We are engaging with several um, processes together. Uh, for example, currently we're in the process of uh, developing the national access to information policy. Uh, they are part of the task force because it's important to get their their input in in uh, access to information so that 
with the, the aspect of uh, personal data is protected. We also are part of, as a commission, one of our members is also part of their um, task force that uh, develops guidance notes on uh, protection of personal data uh, that developed all the uh, three sets of regulations. So we actually have a very good working relationship because where they feel that an issue is um, on public uh, uh, information, they will forward it to us, they'll refer it to us. And where we feel it's an issue that relates to personal data, we refer it to them. So uh, I... I think it has impacted very positively on our work um, in a nutshell. Okay, um, I think that's a very good way of engaging. And finally then, uh, in enforcing the right to access to information, uh, probably to just conclude, what kind of support would the Commission on Administrative Justice then require to ensure the meaningfully exercise the right to access to information? Number one, um, technical support um, in terms of the skills, um, uh, the, the skills and uh, the numbers. Um, by skills, we mean we need to train the existing, the current uh, staff so that they're even better versed with the issues around access to information. Um, Number two, in terms of numbers, uh, will require the technical support in terms of maybe um, additional um, people to support in the implementation or um, either locally or internationally, but both someone with the skill set required for implementation of access to information. Number two, we would require support in the aspect of strengthening um, access to information law. Because uh, as I had indicated, the current law has a gap. We need, number one, to operationalize the law. That means we need to pass the regulations that require to be passed. These are the general regulations, regulations on fees, regulations on enforcement of our, of our orders as a commission so that uh, the same can be enforced. We also need um, uh, the whole all the laws reviewed so that where we find a conflict with the access to information law, the same can be reviewed. Um, the same can be reviewed. So we need to strengthen the legal framework around access to information. That is uh, the second thing I indicated we need. Um, and finally, obviously, we need um, resource support, resource support in terms of both the finances, because we are aware, you're aware that currently, um, the government in Kenya has exercised some austerity measures. In fact, uh, the commission was one of the casualties. We, we, we the, the the budget cuts affected us quite um, negatively. So um, we really don't have much to implement our mandate as we speak. So we we would um, require that kind of support. And finally, we would. Uh, last but not least, we would require partnership with relevant institutions, for example, even the University of Pretoria, to see how we can work together to advance this right. Um, because we know as a commission, there's only so much we can do um, uh, with the resources that we have. But if we partner with other institutions, other development partners, then we we would be able to, to, to do... Um, to, to do much more, to do much more uh, as a commission. Thank you.
Hi, thank you very much. We have come to the end of the podcast. We would invite you to now make very final concluding remarks. I'd like to thank um, uh, the team for this engagement. I think uh, it was good engaging with you and uh, probably just giving you what the commission has done, um, the the milestones we've achieved and uh, the challenges that we have uh, had as uh, as a commission in implementing access to information as a law. Um, what I would want to say is that um, even as we uh, commemorate the 10th year on uh, the model law on access to information, there is still a lot to be done because um, there are a number of countries in Africa who have not passed the law. And uh, I think they need that needs to be done. And I think we need to push for a lot more of that because some of them are at the final stages. So it's important for, for it to, to be moved to the final stage. At the Kenyan front, uh, there's still a lot of work to be done because the law is new. 2016, we are not, uh, we are around seven years old. We just started implementing it because uh, the funds that um, were given by the government started being operational under the access to information program in late 2018. So um, we, we still have a lot to do as a commission, but with partnerships such as um, uh, for the University of Pretoria, with partnerships such as um, the, our development partners like GIZ, World Bank, they still, uh, they, we have a lot that we will do together even as we implement this law. Thank you. Thank you very much. On our end, we hope to continue engaging the Office of the uh, CIJ and in all our initiatives relating to access to information in Africa and in ensuring that all the normative guidance by the African Commission and the, also the decisions of the African Court relating to access to information are well understood. And we also would like to now uh, invite any of our colleagues to make their concluding remarks. Uh, I don't have much to say, but maybe just to thank you so much for joining us on this uh, Spotlight Initiative. It has been uh, very engaging and it's been fruitful and it has been very interesting being uh, someone from a different country to learn about how uh, the CAJ has managed to um, bring to life the provisions of the model law in as far as uh, Kenya is concerned. So thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for for answering our questions and I thank you for so much in-depth on the, the situation of um, access to information in Kenya. And um, uh, we hope that you will uh, come around again um, and have this engagement with the Expression Information and Digital Rights Unit um, at the Center for Human Rights and with the African uh, Rights Talk. Thank you. You just listened to Africa Rights Talk podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. 